0: Hello and welcome to The Aside. I'm Nick Waxman. And I'm Ellie Erez. In this episode, we are going to be discussing the great theatre maker, director, playwright and poet, Bertolt Brecht.
1: Arguably one of the most important theatre practitioners of the early to mid-20th century.
0: And one of the leading proponents of epic theatre.
1: Alongside Max Reinhardt and Erwin Piscator, Brecht's collaborators and mentors.
0: It was, in fact, Piscator who coined the term epic theatre.
1: And this new style flourished in Germany in the 1920s and 30s.
0: So let's look at some of the factors that made this style of theatre so popular.
1: Well, in order to do that, we need to have some understanding of the political backdrop that influenced Brecht's work.
0: Germany during the first half of the 20th century was particularly eventful.
1: There were the horrors of World War I,
0: the poverty of the 1920s depression,
1: and the rise of fascism in the 1930s. This forced Brecht to flee to America to escape persecution and arrest by Hitler's Gestapo.
0: Many of these events shaped his Marxist ideologies and his left-wing political beliefs. And
1: heavily influenced his theatrical theories.
0: The central purpose of epic theatre was to create an actor-audience relationship where the audience maintained a level of objectivity.
1: This is often referred to as the alienation effect.
0: Or the Frumsden effect in German. <laughs> I love
1: it. The Frumsten effect. The Frumsten. <laughs> I don't I've never really heard that word said out loud. The Frum... What the is it?
0: Frumsden's
1: effect. The Frumsden effect.
0: It actually means to make strange.
1: The Frumsden effect. You've got it now. Excellent. The purpose of this technique, the Frumsden effect, uh, was to make the audience acutely aware that they were watching a
0: performance. Or as Brett put it, art is not a mirror with which to reflect reality, but a hammer with which to shape it. He also
1: said it is not enough to demand insight and informative images of reality. Theatre must stimulate a desire for understanding, a delight in changing reality.
0: Brecht believed that this was essential in order for the audience to learn the truth about the world around them.
1: He believed that seducing the audience into believing they were watching real life
0: led to an uncritical acceptance of society's values. Because Brecht was interested in creating theatre that appealed to our logic and reason rather than our emotions.
1: So, let's talk about some of the conventions or techniques he used to distance the audience from forming an emotional attachment with the narrative and the characters of his plays.
0: Brecht used lots of conventions and devices.
1: Such as fragmentary sets, a single item to represent a setting or location.
0: Like a single tree to represent a forest. Or a fridge to represent a forest. A, a, a telephone. Oh. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Whatever you like. Uh, a Fragmentary costumes or props. Single items of clothing or prop to represent a character. Uh, a texter might represent a teacher uh, and a, a whiteboard.
1: A tie might represent a business person.
0: Yeah, or a, a gun might rep- represent a soldier.
1: Or a criminal. Or a criminal. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, he also used uh, open white light, and it would often flood the stage.
0: And an exposed lighting rig.
1: He used placards and signs, which would often be used to spoil the dramatic tension of the preceding scene.
0: And used songs with important messages or parables.
1: And narration. And directive dress. And use of specific gesture or justice to define a character
0: and actors commonly performing multiple roles, and changing role in full view of the audience.
1: And he also used historification, where specific events were set in another time or place.
0: Ooh, what's historification?
1: <laughs> well, one example uh, is going to be the rise of Artu Ui yes. uh, which was set in Chicago, but obviously it represented... Hitler's rise to power. Absolutely right. Uh, yes. And uh, we can also talk about uh, Life of Galileo. Uh, which was set uh, during the Inquisition, That's right. uh, and, but obviously came to represent what was happening in society at the time. In Germany.
0: War. Rise of fascism. And episodic scenes with large jumps in time.
1: And projected images.
0: And so on, and so on, and so on. The epic theatre style drew on hundreds of conventions and devices, which affected every aspect of the production.
1: The direction. The script. The use of stagecraft. And
0: the performances of the actors.
1: So what are some of the activities you might use in your classroom to introduce epic theatre to your students?
0: I might develop a series of activities that attempt to help my students gain a practical understanding of the main conventions and devices of epic theatre. Uh, I Let's look at placards, for example. Uh, I might ask my students to imagine they were presenting a children's storybook using a series of placards, with each placard attempting to explain what is about to happen in the scene. In the next lesson, they might develop these scenes that relate to each of the placards and might be instructed to use direct address or narration or song to play out the scenes.
1: I can see how that might work. Uh, You could also explore how a children's story might function as a parable for some event or social issue. Uh, The story of Rapunzel, for example, might show students how helicopter parenting could be taken to the extreme, where the witch tries to control the child in an extreme way, uh, putting her in a
0: tower. Cool. Uh, Or you might get the students to play multiple characters within their performances and transform character in full view of their audience, so the witch becomes the handsome prince or the same actor. Absolutely. Right, yes.
1: And they could also use fragmentary props and costumes to represent
0: their characters. So the wig gets passed on to the other actor who then plays Rapunzel, and Rapunzel could be played by multiple actors.
1: Yeah, so the wig represents Rapunzel at all times, and then the prince is represented by a, a, sword, a sword, maybe, or a yeah. sash, and that can be given to other actors as well. The uh, they
0: possibilities can all... are completely endless. <laughs> Within reason. <laughs>
1: Uh, they can also use fragmentary set items to represent each location. So if you had a table and a chair, it's the table and the chair when you're inside uh, Rapunzel's Tower, but when the prince is on the outside, the chair is placed on top of yeah. the table just to use that height. And the
0: chair could be used as the horse, as the the, the, the prince is galloping down the... the uh, I, I don't know. The, through the forest? Through the forest. Through the thicket. Yes. Yeah, through the thicket. Yes. Uh, the possibilities
1: are, of course, almost endless.
0: Well, that's just about all we have time for on today's episode.
1: There are a range of episodes in the bank, so feel free to listen to one that grabs your attention.
0: All the details are in the episode description, so check them out.
1: And please do not hesitate to email us at asidepodcast@outlook.com. Thank you so much to Eltham College for letting us record here, and of course to Aaron Searle for providing the music.
0: Thanks for listening.